0: Okay, so Judges 18. Now, I, I left out Deuteronomy kind of on purpose today um, because we have four chapters in Judges, and then we're done with Judges. So, and I haven't decided quite where to go. I don't know if I want to go into Kings or if I want to go into Chronicles. I'm going to kind of decide that this week, and we'll do both. And um, But there's, there's some interesting things in the last four chapters of Judges, so I wanted to do them all together and um so we're finished with the new testament yeah we did the, we whole, did new the whole new testament yeah so and we might you know i want to pull in as, as things in here make you think about the stuff we talked about in the new testament you know let's incorporate it. let's talk about it but i want to i want to go through all the other things and then once we're done with deuteronomy we'll just keep going through the other books of the old testament in a little more focused way um but it's because I think that as we learn about the different things, when we read the other sections, it'll all start kind of integrating for us. And we'll and and that's really the goal and the desire of approaching it this way is to start to see how it all fits together. And oh, they were probably referencing this. Or, you know, that New Testament writer was talking about the same thing that this writer is talking about, which comes from this place, and, you know, so, so we start to see it all come together, Um and as we go into these last four chapters, I just want to remind you that the title of this section, uh, this, this, today's message um, is, they did what was right in their own eyes, <laughs> okay, <laughs> because we kind of started, we caught that at the beginning, it said, you know, there was no king, and they did what was right in their own eyes, um, so. This is one of those sections where a lot of times people will read. There are a lot of people who seem to think that a lot of the Old Testament stories are about the Jews living according to Torah and how bad it goes for them. And that God gave the Torah to, to show us that we can't do it on our own. And even when we're trying to live by those rules, it doesn't go well. But the reality is most of these stories are not about them living according to the Torah at all. It's about them abandoning it and what happens when you abandon it and what happens when you ignore it. So the idea that we should ignore the Torah because clearly when you try to live by it, it doesn't go well. (laughs) It's like the opposite message. It's when you don't live by it, it doesn't go well. And, And so we can't read these stories going... You know, how did God allow that? How did it... These are the choices they were making. God is not giving us a lot of these stories. God, God did not preserve these stories to show us how you'll live if you're righteous, and I like this, and I approve of this. And yet, God is at work in the midst of this, accomplishing certain things. Kind of like with Samson, you know. God knew who he was going to be. God used him for a specific purpose. But God also had this extra righteous, I mean, he had to be a Nazarite the whole time, because if he stopped being a Nazarite and being held to this higher standard of holiness in this area, he would lose the ability, God would lose, you know, God would not be able to work with him in this area anymore, so, so that would go away. And so he was the person he needed to be, which doesn't mean that everything he did was righteous. Right. It means that he was that person, that personality, that that God saw. This one can be used for this purpose, and and balanced those things about him that made him good for that with the Nazarite vow. So as we do this, you know, there and, and we, when people say, well, why would God use me? Well, God uses the imperfect. God uses the people who do the the you know horrible things. But they're willing to be used by him, and so he does that. He doesn't look for the person who's perfect because he wouldn't find anybody. That's why he had to come himself and do the whole Yeshua thing, you know? It's it like, not like, oh, yeah, oh there's that perfect person, you know, okay, good. So these, but we can't read these and go, oh, this is what holy people do. It's, it's, and yeah. So Judges 18, in those days there was no king in Israel. And in those days, the tribe of the people of Dan uh, was seeking for itself an inheritance to dwell in. Because remember, Dan didn't actually get their portion of the land yet. Uh, For until then, no inheritance among the tribes of Israel had fallen to them. So the people of Dan sent five able men from the whole number of their tribe, from Zorah and from Eshtaol, to spy out the land and to explore it. And they said to them, go and explore the land. And they came to the hill country of Ephraim to the house of Micah and lodged there. So this is Micah who's got, you know, the, the Levite serving as the... Um, this is not Micah who's the book. Not the book of Micah, I do not believe, no. This is, this is just Micah from the tribe of Dan in Ephraim. So when they were by the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of the young Levite. And they turned aside and said to him, Well, who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What is your business here? And he said to them, This is how Micah dealt with me. He has hired me, and I have become his priest. And they said to him, Inquire of God, please, that we may know whether the journey on which we are setting out will succeed. And the priest said to them, Go in peace. The journey on which you go is under the eye of the Lord. Then the five men departed and came to Laish and saw the people who were there, how they lived in security after the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and unsuspecting, lacking nothing that is in the earth, and possessing wealth, and how they were far from the Sidonians and had no dealings with anyone. So, in other words, they they came into this area and found this very peaceful group of people who were prospering. They were were working the earth. They were... um, a happy, isolated little yeah, town. Yeah, this happy, isolated little <laughs> town, getting along. They were all decent people. Um, they were, you know, they lived like the Sidonians, but they they didn't, they were far away from them and had no dealings with anyone. And when they came to their brothers at Zorah and Eshtaol, their brothers said to them, What do you report? They said, Arise and let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, bless you. And behold, it is very good. And will you do nothing? Do not be slow to go, to enter in and possess the land. As soon as you go, you will come to an unsuspecting people. The land is spacious, for God has given it into your hands, a place where there is no lack of anything that is in the earth. So 600 men of the tribe of Dan, armed with weapons of war, set out from Zorah and Eshtol, and went up and encamped at Kiriath-Jerim in Judah. On this account, that place is called Mahanadan, to this day, behold, it is west of Kiriath-Jerim, and they, possessed, and they passed on from there to the hill country of Ephraim, and came to the house of Micah. Then the five men who had gone to scout out the country of Laish said to their brothers, Do you know that in these houses there are an ephod, household gods, a carved image, and a metal image? Now therefore consider what you will do. And they turned aside there and came to the house of the young Levite at the home of Micah and asked him about his welfare. Now the 600 men of the Danites, armed with their weapons of war, stood by the entrance of the gate. And the five men who had gone to scout out the land went up and entered and took the carved image, the ephod, the household gods, and the metal image, while the priest stood by the entrance of the gate with the 600 men armed with weapons of war. So they distracted the priest and then went in and robbed him. And when these men went into Micah's house and took the carved image, the ephod, the household gods, and the metal image, the priest said to them, what are you doing? And they said to him, keep quiet, put your hand on your mouth, and come with us, and be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for you to be priest to the house of one man, or to be priest to a tribe and clan in Israel? And the priest's heart was glad. He took the ephod and the household (laughs) gods and the carved image and went along with the people. yeah, Yeah, sure, better offer. CEO, you know. (laughs) And he took all the (laughs) idols with him. Yes. Yes, because clearly, this is how God tells us to worship. (laughs) Yeah. So they turned and departed, putting the little ones and the livestock and the goods in front of them. When they had gone a distance from the home of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house were called out, and they overtook the people of Dan. And -hmm. they shouted to the people of Dan, who turned around and said to Micah, what is the matter with you that you come with such a company? So the, so they're coming after and, and the people of Dan turn around and go, What's your problem? Why are you coming out after us? And he said, You take my gods that I made and the priest and go away, and what have, I, what have I left? How then do you ask me what is the matter with you? And the people of Dan said to him, Do not let your voice be heard amongst us, lest angry fellows fall upon you and you lose your life with the lives of your household. <laughs> or in modern day, I'm sorry, did I hear something? Because if I heard something, I might be inclined to turn around and kill you. Mm-hmm. So let's, not, let's pretend I didn't hear anything. Then the people of Dan went their way, and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his home. This is called ancient smack talk. but the bible but the people of dan took what micah had made and the priest who belonged to him and they came to laish to a people quiet and unsuspecting and struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire yeah that is that's just rude (laughs) you don't do that and there was no deliverer because it was far from sidon and they had no dealings with anyone It was in the valley that belongs to Beth Rehob. Then they rebuilt the city and lived in it, and they named the city Dan after the name of Dan, their ancestor, who was born to Israel. But the name of the city was Laish at the first. And the people of Dan set up the carved image for themselves, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, son of Moses, and his sons were priests to the tribe of the Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up Micah's carved image that he made as long as the house of God was at Shiloh. Yeah. It sounds unreal. Yeah. Yeah. And they stayed like that for that long? Yeah. They didn't so Joshua 19. And in those days when there was no king in Israel, a certain Levite was sojourning in the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim who took to himself a concubine from Bethlehem and Judah. So, a Levite, (laughs) well, yeah, so the Levite, but remember the Levites who were serving to the group in Ephraim from the house of Dan, so one of these Levites took took a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah, and his concubine was unfaithful to him, and she went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah, and was there some four months, Then her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and bring her back. He had with him his servant and a couple of donkeys, and she brought him into her father's house, and when the girl's father saw him, he came with joy to meet him. So the Levite is the husband. The husband. Okay. Yes. Because when you say take a concubine, that doesn't usually sound like Ed married her. I know. Well, yeah, basically this... Yeah, well, concubines—if concubines were um, generally—they were a wife, but not—not a—not a Jewish wife. So she was probably a non-Jew from the area of Bethlehem and Judah, and the Levite—the Levites who were not allowed to marry. Specifically not, I mean, everybody else was told don't marry them, but they were, they were not allowed to serve as Levites if they were married to somebody non-Jewish. Um, so calling her a concubine is probably an indicator of her non-Jewish status, because they had certain right, they, they the man had certain obligations to care for his concubines, but they didn't have rights as wives. Like the Jewish women actually had rights and they were entitled to certain things. So the concubine, he was expected to take care of her in the same way as a wife, but if they left, she didn't have protections and and stuff that she would have had if she was a Jewish wife. So she didn't, you know, she didn't have the right to sex. She did he had the obligation to give them to her, but she didn't get to claim any rights at the separation. So. Her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and bring her back. And, you know, the father came out to meet him with joy. And his father-in-law, the girl's father, so they, so they were married, made him stay, and he remained with him three days. So they ate and drank and spent the night there. And on the fourth day, they arose early in the morning, and he prepared to go. But the girl's father said to his son-in-law, strengthen your heart with a morsel of bread, and after that you may go. So the two of them sat and ate and drank together. And the girl's father said to the man, Be pleased to spend the night and let your heart be merry. Hmm. And when the man rose up to go, his father-in-law pressed him till he spent the night there again. And on the fifth day he arose early in the morning to depart. And the girl's father said, Strengthen your heart and wait until the day declines. So they ate both of them. And when the man and his concubine and his servant rose up to depart, his father-in-law, the girl's father, said to him, Behold, now the day has waned toward evening. Please spend the night. Behold, the day draws to its close. Lodge here and let your heart be merry, and tomorrow you shall arise early in the morning for your journey and go home. But the man would not spend the night. He rose up and departed and arrived opposite Jabus, that is Jerusalem. He had with him a couple of saddled donkeys, and his concubine was with him i start pinching you keep dropping over. <laughs> uh, when they were near Jubus, the day was nearly over. So, there, okay. So now you've got to keep in mind as we go on to the story, they're, they're out, right outside of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So, this isn't like, you know, they were in some pagan hill country in the backlands, okay? This is. Well, they're Jewish, they're Jewish. Right. Yeah. But yeah, when you hear the rest of the story, you'll understand why I'm pointing out where they are. So when they were near, the, the, the day was nearly over, and the servant said to his master, Come now, let us turn aside to the city of the Jebusites and spend the night in it. Which is why it was called Jebus. And his master said to him, We will not turn aside into the city of foreigners who do not belong to the people of Israel, but we will pass on to Gibeah. So, and, wait, so Jerusalem was at, a foreigners? Yeah, man? well, it was originally uh, Jebus, and then when they took it, it became Israel. Oh, it's not Israel. Jerusalem yet. Yeah, well, I mean, to the Israelites, it was Jerusalem, but at this point, it's, still, it's filled with Jebusites. Okay. So, And his master said, because remember, they, hadn't, they, they had that core piece of land, but then certain areas had been promised to them that they still had not okay. gone into yet. And his master said to him, we will not turn aside the city of foreigners who do not belong to the people of Israel, but we will pass on to Gibeah. And he said to his young man, come and let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night at Gibeah or at Ramah. So they passed on and went their way, and the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. And they turned aside there to go in and spend the night at Gibeah. And he went in and sat down in the open square of the city, for no one took them into his house to spend the night. Now, we talked about this back with Lot, when when the angels, when the messengers of the Lord were in the square, but it was the custom at that point in time, if you were visiting a city, you would go and you would sit in the square. And... If nobody invited you into their home, you would sleep in the town square. If somebody did invite you into their home, they were obligated to protect you at the expense of their own life and their own family and their own possessions. So it was like when you took someone in for the night, that that hospitality was a covenant. It was, I will protect you while you are under my home. You, you will come in and you will be uh, safe and protected by me. and. One of the things that I know I mentioned at that time with Lot was it said he went into the city to see if there were any foreigners or visitors there, as was his custom. So Lot knew the city he lived in. He knew it wasn't safe for people to live in the square. So he made a point every evening of going out and making sure nobody was in the square. And if they were, he took them into his home to keep them safe. Now. Same situation here, they're in the square, and behold, an old man was coming from his work in the field at evening. The man was from the hill country of Ephraim, and he was sojourning in Gibeah. The men of the place were Benjaminites, and he lifted up his eyes and saw the traveler in the open square of the city, and the old man said, where are you going, and where do you come from? And he said to him, we are passing from Bethlehem in Judah to the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim from which I come. I went to Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to the house of the Lord, but no one has taken me into his house. We have straw and feed for our donkeys with bread and wine for me and your female servant and the young man with your servants. There is no lack of anything. And the, so in other words, if you take us in, we won't be a burden. We've got, we've got provisions, we just don't have a place to stay. And the old man said, Peace be to you, I will care for all your wants, only do not spend the night in the square. So he brought him into the, his house and gave the donkeys feed, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. As they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, worthless fellows, surrounded the house, beating on the door. And they said to the old man, the master of the house, bring out the man who came into your house, that we may know him. Wow. Is this Again? the same story? It's a similar story. Some scholars will argue that it's the same story being told or that it's that it's One is based on the other and only one happened. Or this was a common thing among the pagans in that area would be my suggestion. Even though he went to the city because it was supposedly not a pagan city? Right. (laughs) But, you know, Sodom was, you know, not so great. And, yeah. So, and again, that we may know him did not mean play poker. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a different kind of poker. Yeah. I won't even say it. Okay. And the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Since this man has come into my house, do not do this vile thing. What he's saying to them is, they're under my protection. Don't do this to me. For you to come and demand them is to put me on the spot. Behold, here are my virgin daughter and his concubine. Let me bring them out now. So not just my daughters. But here, here. I have a couple women, you know, take we'll his concubine. His Let me bring them out now, violate them, and do with them what seems good to you. But yeah. against this man, do not do this outrageous thing. So people, people read this and they go, see, in ancient Israel, women had no rights. No. This man is not doing a good thing. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. But the men would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine. Now, the man, this is not saying that the Levite, his own concubine. I, if, as I'm understanding this, the man at the door who's telling them don't do these things throws the concubine the out. The right. For women. Because reading the Bible is like mm-hmm. Simon said. Okay, and God is that. Yeah. Did God say? Yeah. Or is he saying? Right, <laughs> right. So the man seized his concubine and made her go out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. Mm-hmm. And as the dawn began to break, they let her go. Mm-hmm. And as morning appeared, the woman came and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was until it was light. Now, the reason why I don't think that this is... Um, the same story? Well, no, well, it it's, gonna, it's going to go very differently here. Yeah, yeah. So But um, going different now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so morning appeared. the woman came, fell down, she's outside the door, um, and her master rose up in the morning, and when he opened the doors of the house and went out to go on his way, behold, there was his concubine lying at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, get up, let us be going, but there was no answer. Then he put her on the donkey, and the man rose up and went away to his home. And when he entered his house he took a knife, and taking hold of his concubine, he divided her limb by limb into twelve pieces, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And all who saw it said, Such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this until this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak. He what? cut her up. He cut, cut her up. Yeah, she, she, well, was she was dead. dead. Yeah, she she was she dead. was She, was de- she so died on the threshold. Got, went to the door and died. Well, well she crawled back to the, the house, died on the door. Yeah. I, awesome. And and so when he went out to her and said, Get up and, and you know, let, we're leaving, and she, she couldn't get it. up. So he put her on the donkey, took her home, cut her up, and sent parts to every tribe. Judges 20, then all the, pe- the people of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, including the land of Gilead, and the, Lord, er, and the congregation assembled as one man to the Lord at Mizpah. So they came out all in unity and, and to the Lord. And the chiefs of all the people of all the tribes of Israel presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God. 400,000 men on foot that drew the sword. Now the people of Benjamin heard that the people of Israel had gone up to Mizpah, and the people of Israel said, tell us, how did this evil happen? No. And the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, I came to Gibeah that belongs to Benjamin. I am my concubine to spend the night. And the leaders of Gibeah rose against me and surrounded the house against me by night. They, did to, they meant to kill me, and they violated my concubine, and she is dead. So I took hold of my concubine and cut her in pieces and sent her throughout all the country of the inheritance of Israel, for they have committed abomination and outrage in Israel. Behold, you people of Israel, all of you, give your advice and counsel here. So this is what happened to me in the land that is supposed to belong to Benjamin. This happened in our midst. You are all responsible. You have allowed this to continue I have suffered, so tell me, what are you going to do about it? And all the people arose as one man, saying, None of us will go to his tent, and none of us will return to his house. But now this is what we will do to Gibeah we will go up against it by lot. And we will take ten men of a hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel. And a hundred of a thousand and a thousand of 10,000 to bring provisions for the people that when they come, they may repay Gibeah of Benjamin for all the outrage that they have committed in Israel. So all the men of Israel gathered against the city, united as one man. And the tribes of Israel went men through all or sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin saying, what evil is this that has taken place among you? Now, therefore, give up the men, the worthless fellows in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and purge evil from Israel." But the Benjaminites would not listen to the voice of their brothers, the people of Israel. Then the people of Benjamin came together out of the cities to Gibeah to go out to battle against the people of Israel. And the people of Benjamin mustered out of their cities on that day 126,000 men who drew the sword besides the inhabitants of Gibeah who mustered 700 chosen men. Among all these were 700 chosen men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hare and not miss. And the men of Israel, apart from Benjamin, Mm -hmm. I know it's raining now. And the men of Israel, apart from Benjamin, mustered four hundred thousand men who drew the sword. All these were men of war. The people of Israel arose and went up to Bethel and inquired of God, Who shall go up first for us to fight against the people of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. Then the people of Israel rose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah, and the men of Israel went out to fight against Benjamin, and the men of Israel drew up the battle line against them at Gibeah. The people of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and destroyed on that day 22,000 men of the Israelites. But the people, the men of Israel, took courage and again formed the battle line in the same place where they had formed it on the first day. And the people of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until the evening, and they inquired of the Lord, Shall we again draw near to fight against our brothers, the people of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against She's them. Diving. And it didn't work. <laughs> she whacked her face. Oh. So the people of I Israel. That. <laughs> oh. that was not a soft boobie. that was a chest. I know. There's a collarbone. Oh, oh that poor baby. <laughs> she was boob diving. <laughs> okay, we're good. <laughs> oh, I knew what she was doing. My kids always. Th- that, that's what that means. That's boob what that di- di- yep. That's what we call it—boob diving. They're, 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 they're. Ah, I want that. Ah. Then <laughs> she smacked the collarbone. Poor thing. Oh, oh. Oh. oh never thought it soft happy booby So they warned that. Yes right, yes, that's right. Yes. And this the That's the first <laughs> sign. Excuse yeah. So you at i like, like oh okay. yep. it comes <laughs> So the people of Israel came near against the people of Benjamin the second day. And Benjamin went against them out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed eighteen thousand men of all it, the of the people of Israel. And the, all these were men who drew the sword. Then all the people of Israel, the whole army, went up and came to Bethel and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, ministered before it in those days. So if we're wondering how they inquired before the Lord, it was because the Ark was there and Phinehas was going... Um, before the Lord, saying, Shall we go out once more to battle against our brothers, the people of Benjamin, or shall we cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will give them into your hand. So Israel set men in ambush around Gibeah, and the people of Israel went up against the people of Benjamin on the third day and set themselves in array against Gibeah as at other times. And the people of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. And as at other times, they began to strike and kill some of the people in the highways, one of which goes up to Bethel, and the other to Gibeah, and in the open country, about thirty men of Israel. And the people of Benjamin said, They are routed before us as at the first day. But the people of Israel said, Let us flee and draw them away from the city to the highways. And all the men of Israel rose up out of their place and set themselves in array at Baal Timar. And the men of Israel who were in ambush rushed out of their place from Marah Gebe, or Geba. And there came against Gibeah 10,000 chosen men out of all Israel. And the battle was hard, but the Benjaminites did not know that disaster was close upon them. And Lord, the Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel, and the people of Israel destroyed 25,100 men of Benjamin that day. All these were men who drew the sword. So the people of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. The men of Israel gave ground to Benjamin because they trusted the men in ambush whom they had set against Gibeah. Then the men in ambush hurried and rushed against Gibeah. The men in ambush moved out and struck all the city with the edge of the sword. Now the appointed signal between the men of Israel and the men in the main ambush was that when they they made a great cloud of smoke rise up out of the city, the men of Israel should turn in battle. Now, Benjamin had begun to strike and kill about, so, so this is we're kind of going back to the beginning to talk, a little, you know, so they had killed about the 30 men, but they were, the, the Israelites were waiting for the sign that there would be smoke in Gibeah. Um, so they said, surely they are defeated before us as in the first battle. But when the signal began to rise out of the city in a column of smoke, the Benjaminites looked behind them and behold, the whole of the city went up in smoke to heaven. Then the men of Israel turned, and the men of Benjamin were dismayed, for they saw that disaster was close upon them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel in the direction of the wilderness, but the battle overtook them. And those who came out of the cities were destroying them in their midst. Surrounding the Benjaminites, they pursued them and trod them down from Nohah as far as opposite Gibeah on the east. Eighteen thousand men of Benjamin fell, all of them men of valor and they turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Ramon. 5,000 men of them were cut down in the highways, and they were pursued hard to Gideon, or to Gidom, and 2,000 men of them were struck down. So all who fell that day of Benjamin were 25,000 men who drew the sword, all of them men of valor. But 600 men turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Ramon and remained at the rock of Ramon four months." And the men of Israel turned back against the people of Benjamin and struck them with the edge of the sword, the city, men, and beasts, and all that they found, and all the towns that they found they set on fire. So Judges 21. Now the men of Israel had sworn at Mizpah, no one of us shall give his daughter in marriage to Benjamin. Okay? So they took out Gideah, and any Benjaminites who came to protect it and they said we're not giving any of our children and wives to that tribe. Well, will give you a what foreigners, right? Well, but Benjamin Not not necessarily. No, they weren't. It was in the it was in the area that had been given to Benjamin. Mm-hmm. If it was still full of foreigners, it was because they had let that happen. Anybody not foreign who was in there had gone had gone pagan. <laughs> and so, that which is why they're mad at Benjamin. Yeah. This evil happened on your part of the land. You let it happen. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? And their answer was, we're going to take you out. We're defending Gideon. We're not doing anything about it. So now they're like, okay, they're evil. Right off Benjamin. We're not, we're not giving our, wives to, our daughters as, mari- as wives to them. And the people came to Bethel and sat there till evening before God, and they lifted up their voices and wept bitterly. And they said, O Lord, the God of Israel, why has this happened in Israel that today there should be one tribe lacking in Israel? And the next day the people rose early and built there an altar and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the people of Israel said, which of all the tribes of Israel did not come up in the assembly to the Lord? For they had taken a great oath concerning him who did not come up to the Lord and to Mizpah, saying, he shall surely be put to death. And the people of Israel had compassion for Benjamin, their brother, and said, One tribe is cut off from Israel this day. What shall we do for wives for those who are left, since we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them any of our daughters for wives? Okay, so in other words, they said, Okay, any tribe that doesn't come up for this gathering, we're going to put them to death. So they had compassion. They didn't physically kill the entire tribe but they were cut off, which was, you know, which is the whole, and, and it still happens to this day where, you know, it's declared you're dead to us and, and we are no longer, we are no longer family. Um, and yet, what shall we do for wives because we're not giving them our daughters? And they said, what, is, what one is there of the tribes of Israel that did not, did I copy that again? Nope, to the tribe of Israel, and behold, no one had come to the camp from Jabesh Gilead to the assembly. Um, for when the people were mustered, behold, not one of the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead was there. So the, okay, so there, here's this, no representative came from this group either. So the congregation sent 12,000 of their bravest men there and commanded them, go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead with the edge of the sword, also the women and the little ones. This is what you shall do. Every male and every woman that has lain with a male, you shall devote to destruction. And they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead 400 young virgins who had not known a man by lying with him, and they brought them to the camp at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. Then the whole congregation sent word to the people of Benjamin who were at the rock of Ramon and proclaimed peace to them, and Benjamin returned at that time, and they gave them the women who they had saved, alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead, but they were not enough for them. And the people had compassion on Benjamin, because the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. Then the elders of the congregation said, What shall we do for wives for those who are left, since the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? And they said, There must be an inheritance for the survivors of Benjamin, that a tribe not be blotted out from Israel. Yet we cannot give them wives from our daughters. For the people of Israel had sworn, Cursed be he who gives a wife to Benjamin." So they said, behold, there is the yearly feast of the Lord at Shiloh, which is north of Bethel on the east of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem and south of Lebanon. And they commanded the people of Benjamin saying, go and lie in ambush in the vineyards and watch. If the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance in the dances, then come out of the vineyards and snatch each man his wife from the daughters of Shiloh and go to the land of Benjamin. (laughs) That's lovely. Yes. Though um, some friends uh, a year or so ago, as one of their homeschooling days watched Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and were horrified because they had no, they didn't realize what it was about and it was basically about this family with seven sons that lived up in the mountains and when it was spring you know or when when the weather was good they went down and kidnapped seven women and took them back up to their cabin and then they got stuck there in the snow and they were basically held hostage until all the women fell in love with them and each one married one oh. So, and that's a modern musical. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, on the one hand, we go, this is horrible. But then on the other hand, it's not, you know. And it's not like God's saying, this is a great way to get Mm rights." It's just, this is what the people did. They had a problem. This is how they decided to solve it. Because you notice it doesn't say here, they consulted of the Lord. No. When they consulted of the Lord, different things happened. When they didn't consult of the Lord, different things happened.
1: Doesn't oh, no, say they consulted. They're
0: going to celebrate the Lord, and they're going to right. get kidnapped to be a wife. But that That's means, lovely. that means, they love God. So we're giving the men, women, who love God, it <laughs> makes sense, right? Don't take the women who don't go out to celebrate. We don't want them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I see the logic. Yeah, I, I sure. I'm not saying oh it's God. a good thing, but. What's people in, like in logic? Well, that wasn't. That didn't have anything to do with. Uh, none of the tribe right? Um. Well, that was that's where the, the feast of the Lord is. Oh. Yeah. That's how yeah. If the daughters of Shiloh come out to to, a, to dance in the dances, then come out of the vineyards and snatch each man his wife from the daughters of Shiloh and go to the land of Benjamin. I'm pretty so sad. and all. What had happened? Yeah, the so shallots <laughs> all. And when their fathers or their brothers come to complain to us, we will say to them, grant them graciously to us because we did not take for each man of them his wife in battle. Neither did you give them to them, else you would now be guilty. Mm. So if they come to complain, go, look, we didn't we didn't kill you to get them. No. So we should be okay. <laughs> right, because we could kill you. <laughs> it's just basically what they're saying. They're like, "Yeah, we did You know, we just took the daughters because we need wives." But we didn't kill you. You're still alive. You know, it's It's like that unspoken threat. Maybe you know. And the people of Benjamin did so and took their wives according to their number from the dancers whom they carried off. Then they went and returned to their inheritance and rebuilt the towns and lived in them. And the people of Israel departed from there at that time, every man to his tribe and family, and they went out from there, every man to his inheritance. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Okay? That, that, is, that is what we have to remember when we're reading these things. Not every single thing that happened in these stories did God ordain? Right. Did God instruct? Or did God want to see happen? But they had the judges. That wasn't good enough. Well, and, but this is the thing, because as we go into when they, when they request a king, God says to them that his, his method was to have the judges not meaning that what was happening in the book of Judges was all great for God or that he was good with it all. The idea was there were supposed to be people who were righteous enough for them to be leading, and the people around them should be listening, and, and it was supposed to be a much more direct and personal relationship. But then the people come in and, but we want a king. Right, and he warns them, this is what's going to happen. Now, keeping in mind that this is the written record of these things, and it is the commentary of the writers to say, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's why everyone did what was right in his own eyes, with the implication, if we'd have had a king, it would have been different. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, it's almost <clears throat> propaganda in that way. You know, I mean, not, not that these things didn't happen, but the way that the stories are being told at this point The truth is, and what we have to remember, is everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The commentary is, it's because there was no king. Mm-hmm. And well, yet, the king, the king will do what's right yeah, right. the king will make everybody yeah. do what's right, yeah. except the king That's just right. does what's right in his eyes. That's right. That's so, right. so, you know, so this is kind of the transition. So we have to keep that in mind, and, um, and we'll go forward with the kings, and we will get back to Deuteronomy next week but I wanted it's 11:59. I wanted to finish I didn't want to leave any of these chapters hanging because they're kind of yeah <laughs> none of them is really that great <laughs> and we don't want to end on that note so may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you may the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace amen, amen. and